Good morning and welcome to Car Thoughts with David. I'm your host as always, David Calvert, and thank you guys so, so much for taking time out of your day to listen to what I have to say. We're in the car, the adventure's beginning, and uh, you know, I hope you guys are ready for all the fun in this new year, all the excitement, all of the opportunity um, as you apply things in your life and take action. Take action take those steps the first step is always the hardest once you have momentum behind you you'll find that it's easier as you go i mean look at me Uh, for instance i started out by writing a single science fiction book and in the course of a couple weeks in december i managed to write seven other books (laughs) so you know, I am just totally blown away by the fact that I, that I was able to accomplish that. I'm almost done, actually, with my next science fiction short story, which will be coming out on Amazon soon. Um, it's uh, in the process of processing right now. And, um, you know, it is... I'm terrible with title names, guys, so if anybody has any suggestions, feel free to hit me up on on any of my various Car Thoughts with David, um, uh, you know, social media links, Facebook, Car Thoughts with David, Twitter, Car Thoughts Dave, Instagram, Car Thoughts with David, no spaces, um, you know, or you can also hit me up on Dual Podcasts, as you guys know, that's mine as well, Dual Podcasts, pretty much everywhere you can find it. Uh, There is a dual podcast Facebook page now that I created as a result of switching my dual podcast Instagram over to uh, business uh, Instagram, and it auto-posts the photos there as well, so you can follow uh, the different podcasts that I feature um, there. But yeah, so if you come up with some interesting book titles, please let me know, because I'm obviously not that great at it. Uh, but people love the books, and that's what's important. It's not the title, it's not the cover, it's the, um, the content that's important. And, um, you know, I'm super excited about this book. I told my, uh, told my, uh, lead about it, and I was kind of, I was writing it at work, um, I got about four or five chapters in, and I stepped away from my desk and started working on the computer, and, you know, I started laughing, and he was like, what's up? And I said, yeah, I'm starting to write a book, and what it's about is it's a book about aliens and Earth, but it's from the perspective of the aliens. The aliens are telling this tale about different things that they've experienced. It's like a, this is our experience with Earth and different things we've done. It's kind of like a biography, an autobiography of sorts, um, and how they got there, why they're there, um, how they've influenced, uh, you know, human history um, to kind of help prepare humanity for the impending uh, first contact, which didn't happen uh, in the 40s because we were too far behind technologically and the uh, their race decided that, you know, hey, they're not ready, they're not going to be receptive, they're going to freak out if we come down. So we need to give them, you know, I don't know, maybe a million years or so to catch up and then we'll come back and check on them because they seem very fragmented. They, they're 
you know, at war with each other. There's all these different countries and different languages and different beliefs and all these many different things about every human on this planet. And, uh, you know, they, they're just very, they're still in this state of flux. So we need to, we're going to go off somewhere else and work in another um, section of the galaxy and check on some other races that we've been, you know, wanting to make contact with. <clears throat> well, these two aliens are on their own ship, and they are just really into what's going on on Earth. They're paying attention to what's going on. They're not paying attention to their leadership that's telling them, like, hey guys, get your ship back on board, we're getting ready to jet, um, and we're not coming back for a million years, so, you know, come on, get your stuff, let's go. And, um, you know, they're obviously just sitting there paying attention to what's going on and uh, just mystified by all the wonders that uh, humanity has created, even though we're such a technologically disadvantaged society. <clears throat> so needless to say, they get missed. They get left. So these two aliens are stranded. Their ships are not capable of interstellar travel. So... Uh, they have two choices. They can try and go the long way and, you know, and not use hyperspace and just fly out there and hope they make it before the fleet leaves again, uh, heading back to Earth or wherever. Um, or they can stay. They can stay. They like Earth. They like the things that are coming from the planet, the different radio broadcasts, the movies, uh, the television shows, they're fascinated by these things. They're fascinated by humans. They've never seen a race like this before. And so they decide that they're going to stay. But they want to make sure when their people come back in a million years that the Earth is ready for first contact. So how would you do that? If you were two highly sophisticated, though somewhat absent-minded, uh, aliens who had all of this technology and wonderful, amazing, you know, things that you could share with humanity, how would you do it? So they decide to take a slow approach to it. They create basically a game where the two of them compete to see what they can come up with and how they can... Uh, sometimes they collaborate, but sometimes they compete and uh, figure out ways to m nudge society and humanity along so that in a million years, they're going to have to, um, you know, meet with these aliens in earnest, the whole fleet. You know, they travel, they're a nomadic race, and they just basically meet with other alien species and help them out and form communications between other species. They're kind of like ambassadors or brokers, if you will. So they, um, they decide to help. Uh, they do it for a little bit of selfish reasons. They really, um, have fun toying with the humans and, uh, you know, coming up with different ways to keep humans from really discovering that they're really real. Uh, because they want humans to naturally evolve towards the path of interstellar travel and technology and all these things. And they don't want 
to just be like these overlords where they're like, yes, and, you know, this is what you need to build next uh, to prepare you. They don't want to give people a wish uh, or a, a to-do list. They want to let them naturally evolve and come up with things and see how they're creative because they've watched their cinema and they're like, these people have the ability. They just need some nudges here and there. Every couple decades, every couple millennia, they need a nudge, you know, to keep them on track so that they're ready. And so that's what the book's about. And, I mean, I kind of added some comical elements. Um, I wasn't sure if I was allowed to use certain things. And, quite frankly, I'm really not sure why I cared. But, like, for instance, I mentioned that they met the king of rock and roll um, and hung out with him and watched some science fiction movies with him. And he introduced them to his famous royal uh, sandwich, uh, which is the ever-popular Elvis uh, banana, bacon, and peanut butter toast uh, sandwich, <clears throat> which sounds absolutely disgusting, mostly because, and I think I've mentioned this in an episode before, the smell of heating and cooking peanut butter makes me absolutely nauseous. So, for me, that does not sound like a fun sandwich at all. I'm not a huge fan of banana. I've never actually ate one. Um, I have had a little bit of, like, juiced banana, like a couple sips of it one time to wash down some medicine. Um, but beyond that, that's really been it. And, of course, uh, I am a fan of bacon, and I am a fan of toast, but not together. I like my bacon, like, nice, fresh out of the griddle and still crackling, um, you know, and my toast, I like it just butter, cinnamon, sugar, and cinnamon, sugar, and bacon just don't sound like they'd go together. Um, not at the same time, anyway. So, with that being said, um, you know, that's my newest book. It's getting ready to come out soon, and, uh, right now, it's called, the title is UFO. What does that even mean? <laughs> so, um... Yeah, it's basically just them being like, who came up with that idea? That was not one that we endorsed. Um, it's the aliens saying, yeah, what does that even mean? Why did you guys... You could have come up with something better. Come on. Really? UFO? Unidentified flying object? Seriously? Try harder next time, please. So it's kind of a plea in the title. Uh, because they're like, you know, we know you're creative. We know you can come up with more than this. We know you can do better. Um, you know show us better, you know, you, you have that capability, so, you know, the whole time, uh, like I said, this is from the perspective of, uh, really the main alien of the group, they decide to take on, um, nicknames, I never in the book reveal what their real names are, um, but they decide to take on personas or nicknames, and the, uh, the nicknames are Michael and Christopher, which I actually googled what the most popular names of the 1980s were uh, for for men and for women. Um, I wasn't sure if I wanted a female alien, so I just kind of left it with two guys that were hanging out because they like watching movies and hanging out and um, randomly abducting people to watch movies with them. <laughs> so, so that's where the whole abduction thing came in, and of course they had to come up with conspiracies and these different things so that 
people wouldn't get too attached to the idea or want to sign up, you know. It's like, listen, you guys need to go back to Earth, and you need to tell them anything but you had a really awesome time and watched movies with us. You need to be totally like, what the heck just happened? I was abducted by aliens, and you can fill in the blanks with whatever you have. And then, of course, he then goes into saying, you know, by the way, we had absolutely nothing to do. We definitely didn't do any of, like, the the reading minds or the anal probing or any of that stuff. That was all made up. And, uh, you know, all we were doing was watching movies and hanging out, eating some uh, peanut butter, banana, and bacon sandwiches that the aliens ended up getting addicted to after they met Elvis. And, yeah, stuff like that. So they also talk about, you know, trying to create other myths because humans believe in so many different things to make sure that people didn't really start digging into the notion of aliens as a real, real thing so that the governments didn't get involved and try and come after them or attack them for, you know, having this presence that, you know, they weren't really authorized to give in the galaxy by their people or humanity. So they took myths and actually used their genetic knowledge to create actual creatures. So, like, for instance, the Loch Ness Monster. They were not around when the Loch Ness Monster was first photographed, which, in case you guys didn't know, that was actually a hoax. A guy did a cutout uh, with a piece of wood, stuck it out in the water, and photographed it. That was a total fake he recanted the whole thing that it was a real monster. Um, but in the book, they actually created a Loch Ness monster from genetic material. It was very friendly. It was very much like the Nessie that's portrayed in the Loch Ness monster um, like memorabilia that you can buy, the happy, smiley Nessie. Uh, she's very good at swimming away and hiding, and so that people, and only pops up every once in a while get that random photograph and then disappears again as quickly as she appeared um also bigfoot which of course was over a hundred years before the aliens showed up because they showed up in the mid early to mid 40s 1940s um and bigfoot's legend was actually back in the 1840s the 1870s uh, i couldn't really find a good clear structure on uh the exact date the first stories of bigfoot came around but they also created a Bigfoot, put him in the in the forests of western northwestern um, America, and um, you know let him loose, gave him the ability to blend in and to hide and to get away and to escape, made him very agile, made him like a chameleon, things like this, whatever he needed to get away. And of course I didn't go to all those details in the book. This is just special for you guys. Uh, but they gave him all those abilities to kind of hide and stay away, but he'd show up every once in a while for a fo random photo and then vanish. Um, but they gave people these different little things to, kind of keep them off the track of realizing that aliens were actually behind all of this. Um, another thing they did was they actually did the crop circles. So they came up with the idea that they needed aliens and alien conspiracies to be in the forefront again. <coughs> so they did crop circles. A couple of their friends who they would invite up for movies uh, in England 
they showed them how to make the crop circles. They gave them the little pieces of plywood and the ropes and said, okay, this is how you, when we decide that we need you guys to come forward and claim that you guys were actually the masterminds behind this, this is how we want you to do it. So they taught them how to create crop circles the way a human would on a small budget. And then they used their drones, which they had redesigned to look like flying saucers, to actually create the crop circles, and they would take turns designing uh, designing them. You know, Michael would create one one day, uh, then Christopher would create one the next. And so over time, they actually uh, created all of these wonderful crop circles and came up with them, and then eventually had their friends in the UK come forward and say, yeah, we did it, it was a hoax, ha ha, jokes on you guys, you guys all thought these were aliens, and I did this overnight in, in my, you know, in my pajamas. So, you know, they'd, they'd give people little glimpses into the future of this coexistence with aliens, but at the same time kind of back off and say, okay, this is just a hoax because they didn't want people to get too too much too fast because they know that humans have this tendency that if too much hits them at once, they freak out and kind of shut down and stop being receptive. So with that being said, they want to make sure that they give people just the right doses because they got to play the long game. They've got a million years to sit here outside of Earth in the Milky Way galaxy and just kind of hang out and like, you know, slowly get to meet people over time until their collective returns and says, hey, we're here. We'd like to now uh, enter into talks with you and have you join up this, you know, galactic forum of uh, galaxies that are evolved races and things like that. So, you know, they've got to play the long game. And then eventually they're going to have to start looking at the ecological, you know, outcome, you know, so they're going to have to start saying, okay, well, at the rate the humans are burning all these natural resources, we're going to have to do something to help them figure this out so that the earth is actually still here and the humans are actually still here when, you know, we, when we get picked up, when our ride gets here. Um, but at the same time, they also, um, you know, would help the humans. Like when they were wanting to create movies, and kind of push the narrative of science fiction along, uh, they would actually, uh, they had their drones collect paper, and they would have printed in the handwriting of different famous authors uh, ideas. And then the drones would sneak in and put the papers, like say if, like say, I, I didn't use them, but I, Isaac Asimov was asleep at his desk. Um you know, they would stick the notes up under his arm, and when he woke up, he'd be like, ooh, you know, this is actually really good. I'm, was I high when I wrote this? I'm not really sure, but this is, yeah, I'm going to totally write this book. I'm going to finish this. This is great. Um, and the same with movies and other, other um, you know, media. So they would, they started out small in the, in the 40s and 50s, creating these things, talking about <clears throat> things like computers and spaceships and uh, you know, phones and all this different technology that started becoming uh, prevalent, and then they helped. Uh, they had a competition between uh, Michael and Christopher, 
and uh, the USA and Russia, you know, Michael got USA and Christopher got Russia, and they would help the leaders with the space race and get all that going as far as seeing who could actually win to be the first one to the moon. So they would, like, send information to different members of the different space teams, you know, the cosmonauts and the and NASA and the Russian leaders and the American leaders, and they would actually influence uh, policies and procedures and then inadvertently accidentally started the Cold War, <laughs> you know, as a result of trying to do all of these things and, and, uh, and then had to figure out ways to back out of the Cold War. Um, and then also started realizing, like, hey, we can't give too much power to one country because they'll lorded over everybody so we need to start giving technology to these other countries and give them ideas so they started sending you know computer designs and stuff to different you know countries in asia and you know all these different places where they were actually diversifying um you know what all the countries got so they ended up splitting the using the computer to split up the countries between them michael of course kept america uh Christopher kept Russia, and then they were divvied out other countries like they were playing a giant game of risk. And so that is basically some of the story and the ideas I had about the book. And, um, you know, it was really fun to write. It was a blast to write. And I can't wait till it's available for you guys to actually purchase because um, I think you'll enjoy it. And, of course, obviously, I'm going to try and keep writing uh, further uh, volumes to it and expanding the story into the future um, but right now I was just dealing with basically the last from basically from the 40s until until today basically uh, as the story so it was you know the last what 80 years of history uh, kind of boiled down into highlights from these aliens that were telling us about all the different influences they had on our on our society, and then of course constantly reminding us that we don't even honestly expect that you guys are going to believe this is written by aliens, because you know, why would you? <laughs> if you guys believe in so many different things that, you know, it really doesn't, uh, you know, it, do it, it doesn't make sense that a large portion of humanity would believe in this book, or that even is truthful, There, it's probably going to be put in the fiction section. So, which is exactly where the book's going, obviously. It's a fiction book, so it kind of fits. And yeah, so it's kind of like a satirical look at science fiction uh, from the point of view of how an alien would would help humanity uh, become ready to actually see that science fiction is actually science fact. Um, and that all of these stories we've heard from childhood about aliens and you know, spaceships and interstellar travel and all this stuff is actually true. Um, we just can't tell you all of that because we have to reveal this stuff slowly so that you guys can accept it and process it, and then we can give you the next bit of information once you're ready for it. So, yeah, I mean, I'm super excited, as you guys can tell about this book, and um, I hope you guys are too. Uh, this wasn't even really what I intended to talk about. Uh, what I first intended to talk about was a new podcast I had listened to called Productivity Matters. Now, I was actually reached out to by the host of the show, 
um, to actually listen to it and give him some show notes and give him some uh, give him some uh, feedback on a show uh, through my dual podcast account. And I got to say, I've listened to three or four episodes already, and I really like the show. He really has a smart way about how he talks about different productivity apps. And actually, the most recent episode he had talked about um, his experience in an Apple store and how vital customer service is to the buying experience and how to prevent buyer's remorse. Um, And it's just a really brilliant show. So if you're interested in checking out a show, if you're a technophile and you're really interested in learning about new apps and productivity and making sure you're as efficient as possible when you're using apps and calendars and all these different many things to keep your life in order and to keep the chaos at bay, definitely I recommend checking out Productivity Matters. You can listen to it on iTunes. Um, as well as Pocket Casts, and it's available in several other places. Um, but yeah, I definitely recommend checking it out. I think you'll enjoy it. If you're not into all that techie stuff, uh, it's it's a fun and entertaining thing. He's not like sitting there reading off, you know, a list of ingredients. He's actually, um, you know, going through it in a thoughtful manner. So you might actually find something that actually helps you in your life, even if you're not super techie. So it's really for anybody. Um, like I said, I highly recommend it. Hope you guys enjoy it. I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. And if you have, if you can leave me a review on iTunes, that would be greatly appreciated. Every review matters. It helps me in my ranking. Apple Podcasts is the biggest podcasting platform. So the higher I'm ranked there, the more um, visible the show will be. So it takes like 30 or 40 seconds to do that. If you can leave me five stars and share with me, anything because the stars are really the important part to apple's algorithm so if you want to tell me what kind of car you drive how many miles you have feel free if you want to leave a a more in-depth review of the show i appreciate that as well so however you want to do it it's up to you but those reviews definitely help the show grow and that's what i'm really trying to do in 2019 is to bring you guys a lot more amazing content in the Uh, months and years to come. So with that, I'll talk to you guys later. And Car Thoughts out. Hey everybody, David here from Car Thoughts with David, and I just want to share some information with you. You guys have heard me talk about finding your way, finding your path, and starting your journey. Well, if you have decided that you want to start your own podcast, you might be thinking, well, David, that's great, but what do I do? How do I do this? You know, what works, what doesn't work, right? Well, I wrote a book. Because you can go back and find my episodes where I talk about all this stuff and listen to them. And that's all well and good. But sometimes it's easier just to have it in print where you can just see it, right? So, I wrote the book called Introduction to Podcasting. Lessons learned, lessons shared. You can pick it up on Amazon on Kindle for 99 cents. Less than a dollar. What? That's crazy, right? Less than a dollar, you can pick it up on Kindle. If you like to have a print book in your hands and you just like the way it feels, and trust me, I'm looking at this book right now, it's really well printed. I love Kindle publishing. You can pick it up for $5.50. So you can have a physical copy where you can take notes, where you can you know, keep stuff for quick reference while you're working on creating that awesome epic podcast that I know you're capable of creating. So 
by all means, if you're looking for ways, you're looking for advice, Introduction to Podcasting, Lessons Learned, Lessons Share is the book for you. Thank you guys, and I could not do any of this without your support, so when I say thank you, I mean it. Thank you.